0: Well, first of all, my name is Dallas. Hi. Just in case I haven't met you, I get the great honor and privilege of being a pastor here. So, hi. You're so welcome. Merry Christmas. Just real quick, just a side note before we jump into things. If you're sitting here with your kid, I'm glad that you are. Um, If you're over in my section with my children and other children, we're having a good time. I don't know about you. So, uh, no, and and, uh, truly, don't... uh, I know how it is to be a parent where you're thinking, please don't let it be my kid, and then it's your kid, so it's okay. If you do feel the need to leave, walk out, that's fine, but you're welcome here. It's a full house. It's great. I'm going to pray. We're going to read scripture together, and then we'll jump into this. Lord, we come before you so humbled and thankful that we get to recognize and spend this moment um, of your birth, Lord, and Lord, as a... as, as our, our focus is in and on you, Lord, we're just so thankful, Lord, that you came to save us. And it's so honoring to be able to uh, come together and worship you all together as we're new. And yet, there's so many churches around the world that today and the next several days worshiping you. And we get to all worship you. We just get to be a little bit of what's going on. But Lord, yet we have a personal relationship with you. You made a way. So I just pray, Lord, as we get into your word that you speak through me, whatever you want me to say, I say, and whatever you don't, I don't. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We typically stand and read God's word if you're able to. Uh, I welcome you to stand and turn to Luke 2. There's some guys coming down uh, with Bibles if you need one. If you wanna keep it, you can keep it forever. If you're not able to and you're holding three kids, don't feel like you have to, really. Uh, I'm gonna read uh, the Christmas story from Luke 2. Uh, starting at verse one. I'll give you just a minute to get there. It says, At that time, the Roman em- emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's stories were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you again. We thank you for your word. And as we walk through this story, Lord, let us be reminded of how great you are and how you came as a baby to save us, Lord. And Lord, if this is our 1,000th time hearing the story or our first time hearing the story, speak to us anew. Lord, we love you, we thank you. Give us ears to hear words uh, that's only from you. We thank you, we love you, in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So as Alyssa said, our worship leader said, that our theme uh, is triumph, the triumph of Christmas. I can't take credit for it at all. It was Alyssa's idea, so um, that was pretty neat. I liked it. But you know, whenever I first typed in triumph or the triumph of Christmas, the first thing that popped up was a motorcycle with Santa, and uh, I thought, we, I like the kids in here. They really laugh. That's great. Um, yeah, it's really hard to find something that doesn't have Santa when you type in, or a motorcycle. It was great. But um, so I was looking through it and through the term, and, and really, it's so amazing how, and I wrote this down, just in case you don't know. I write down one statement to help me keep focus because I could talk about 100 different things, and you're here for Christmas, and... Who knows what I'll say. But what I wrote down is that God came down to turn our, our life upside down for us to only to realize that he put us right side up. He turned our life upside down to help us realize turn our life upside down. And I don't know about you, but Christmas traditions, I love them. But I also love to change them. But one thing that I have found consistently the moment I became a parent is that no matter how much you plan, your children have this great ability of transforming Christmas. If your home is anything like my home, you probably have Christmas decorations set up. You may or may not have had an argument with your spouse when the appropriate time for these Christmas decorations to be put up, before or after Easter. You may argue and and fight and say, well, maybe Thanksgiving is a better time. And probably, if your home is anything like my home, you have a manger or two or three, or five, in your house. So that way everyone has a manger so no one fights over baby Jesus. But if you're truly, really, like my home, uh, your wise man is currently missing a head. The sheeps are gone, and every night before you go to bed, you have to go on a mission to rescue baby Jesus from whichever child has stolen him and put him under his or her pillow. Currently, our baby Jesus is being occupied by a Lego Batman. So, if that is your home, you are welcome here. If it's not. But you know, uh, sometimes I can get caught up in this is what we're supposed to do to celebrate and worship Jesus. A little while back, a couple years ago, we had a little baby doll of Jesus, baby Jesus. And one of my children, since they're in here, I won't identify her. Um, She had baby Jesus with his long, flowy hair lined up with the other baby dolls and Barbie dolls and was combing all of their hair. And when she got to baby Jesus, I said, do not comb or braid baby Jesus's hair. And do not change his diaper. That is not appropriate. But you know what? Nothing could be more appropriate than that. Because Jesus did come as a baby to completely change our world upside down to put us right side up. That would mean that Jesus indeed would have to have his diaper changed. That would mean that everything that we watch on HGTV is false and fake and not everyone has a perfect Christmas. That would also mean that if we are going to focus in on the triumph of Christmas, we really have to look at what the true word of triumph means. Sticky baby Jesus and all, whatever that may look like. I have the word triumph on the back of the screen, and I broke it down so that way it looks fancy, but there, there's two meanings for this word. Class dismiss. All right, um... Two, two. one is the actual victory, a great victory, a conquest, an achievement. That's triumph. But it also is an action word. It's a verb. It's also a word that would be used during this time, during this great empire, the Roman empire that Jesus was born into. A great general or the emperor himself, after a great victory, would take his triumph or his victory lap. That's where we get that term, that victory lap, a celebration and, and it's, it's, it's interesting when we go back through this and we see right off the bat the Roman em, uh, emperor, Augustus, uh, took a census. And why did he want to take a census? He just got done defeating Anthony and Cleopatra. Yes, that Cleopatra with the cool cat makeup, maybe. I don't know what she looked like. But he wanted to take this census. He wanted to send everybody back home. So he thought, if I'm going to make everybody go home to register so I can tax them, I have this great idea that I'm gonna send them back home to where they're from, so at least they get to see each other. But that wouldn't be so great for Mary and Joseph now, would it? Because if we would have spent some time earlier throughout this Christmas season to see their story and go back through this story, we would see that Joseph and Mary was really shunned. Joseph was considering to uh, leave Mary because she was with child and it wasn't his child. And then the angel of the Lord came to him and said, no, no. But during this whole time, this this time that they were at home, they would have been shunned. The word that would have been used is miser. Jesus would have been a miser, an illegitimate son, child. So this word triumph, it really would be associated with the emperor who had this great victory. And he was bringing together this Roman empire at this time that would have been considered a great victory. But yet, here we are, and Joseph and Mary are now on their 90-mile trek to go and register so they could pay taxes. That sounds like fun for Christmas. But the interesting thing is is a lot of the pictures that we see is we see that Mary's riding on a donkey or a camel or a sports car or something, but really she would have walked this 90 miles for lots of reasons. One reason is they probably didn't have a lot of money because Joseph probably wouldn't have had a real good job because who would hire someone that got his girlfriend pregnant. So any money that they would have, they wouldn't take any transit. So here they are, they're walking and they're coming. And, and, um, so this morning, uh, I write down questions. When I read through the scripture, I write down questions that I would ask. And hopefully, they're questions that I asked as a child, that I ask now, and they don't say it in here, but that keeps it afresh. And one of the questions that I didn't come up with that someone had asked me, a kid had asked me, said, uh, when did... Jesus' grandparents come and visit him? Because when I was born, grandma and grandpa and oma and opa all came to visit me. Huh, that's a great question. Do not know, all right? Um, but who came? Who And, and what was this whole uh, birth experience like? And, and we could focus in, but the, the two areas that I just wanna focus in, in uh, is two things is what the actual situation is for Joseph and Mary having baby Jesus born as we seeing lying in the manger, what does that mean? And the shepherds, and what would that look like? And again, sometimes I think when something is going totally wrong in my life, I just wanna blow it up and start all over again. I don't know about you. Um, I tend to be a fixer, but I'm an extreme fixer. Instead of just painting a wall, we gotta tear it out and build it up again to the extreme. But that's not how God has handled our sin in this world. Instead of coming down and blowing up, starting all over, he sent Jesus to us Sometimes starting all over indicates that something has completely gone wrong. We need to hit the reset button. But it's not starting all over, it's giving us an opportunity. So, as we go through this story again, some of the challenges to Jesus' birth story, I just want to present them. When we read that certain translation that says there was no room in the inn, We like that phrase, it's NIV or King James, depending on what you read. There's no room in the inn, and my mind at least goes to all the hotel and motel rooms are all packed. But the inn would really have been an upper room in one of your relative's home. So imagine this, imagine that you're traveling, you're going back home, you would have seen your first, second, and third cousins, and you're just looking for a room to stay in, and yet there's no room in the inn. Why wasn't there any room in the inn? It's because... Everyone was judging Mary and Joseph for having a child before they got married. So I don't know about you, but in my home, if someone comes and visits me, I kick the kids at least out of their room and put them in there, right? I mean, isn't that what you do? At least give them a room on the couch. But no one would take them in. Because if you take them in, then you're saying that what happened, you're okay with. So no one wanted to do that. So not only was Joseph and Mary were shunned by their families when they came to the town because they failed to stay pure in the eyes of their families. So when they arrived, everyone turned them away. Uh, Just in case you didn't know, I I bring up bits and pieces of of my trip to Israel, Jordan, and Egypt every once in a while. And, And one of the most fascinating things that I got to witness is hear people who have come from a different religion in those areas who come to Christianity and circle back and they can identify and see this is what it would have looked like. I have a picture of what, uh, where Mary and Joseph would have stayed at. Maybe we have a picture here. This is not the exact one, but that's what, that's where baby Jesus, that's what it would have looked like. I don't know what your interpretation is. I know that Again, all of the scenes that I have in my home, it's a nice cozy, there's some straw, but that that would have been it. So our Savior came to turn our lives upside down by going into a cave that shepherds would have let them in. And one of the questions that I wrote down is, how how did the shepherds know where to go? You know, if we read the other account in Matthew, we we hear that the wise men, or however many wise men it is, there were at that time, followed a star. But how did they know? So if we go back real quick and just read over it, it says verse 16 from Luke 2, or excuse me, go back up, verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. Then they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph So if they went to the village and they found something like a how would they know? It's like there's a baby that's born in Modesto. Oh, I know right where that's at. How would they find that? So the Jewish tradition, especially the Jewish people who do recognize and celebrate that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, has this understanding of what it really would have looked like. Their suggestion is, and while I was on my trip, they believe that these shepherds that were out taking care of their sheep would have been the same people that let Mary and Joseph into where they kept their sheep at. And not only just certain sheep, there is this, there's this uh, understanding, at least in the Jewish tradition, that there is a place just outside of Bethlehem City within the Bethlehem residence a commonly known uh, to keep over the Passover lambs and where they would keep and train purified shepherds these land these these lambs to take care of them and there's this little place that would be called the tower of the flock known as the migal Eja, but we won't get into all that it just means the tower of the flock and these shepherds would watch these sheep be born and take good care of them and whenever they saw a perfect sheep they would wrap them in lining to indicate that they were pure and not to be touched so I imagine, and this is just my opinion, I, don't, I wouldn't fight you over it, I think it would make sense at least for me, it doesn't say it here in our gospel, that it's possible that these shepherds who just a little while ago saw Mary and Joseph walking, she's pregnant, getting turned down, turned down, turned down, and these shepherds who are full of compassion, who experience being picked on because they are shepherds, said, hey, you know what, let's just let them stay, where we keep the sheep, at least we could do that. And I would imagine, and I I could be completely wrong, that whenever the angels come down, which would be scary, I think if I saw an angel, I would cry and potty my pants, I'm sure I would. But here they are and they say, don't worry. Okay, good, I didn't blow it, all right? It's like getting called to the principal's office. Happened too many times. Anyways, but here they show up and they say, a child is born, the savior is born. And whenever the angels leave and they say, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, I would imagine on their way back, they were saying, do you think, is it it possible that the people we helped out, they're the ones with the baby? For me at least, if I was a shepherd, I would have thought, man, I wish I could have put him up in a better room if I knew that Jesus was coming, the Savior was coming. I would just imagine, because how did they know where to go? Again, there wasn't the star that led the wise men. How would they know to go? Where to go? In Bethlehem. And I'm assuming, and again, I won't fight you over it, but it could have very well been them or someone that they've known, because word got around quick. So they go and they see and hear. All of this Old Testament leaving up of the prophecy of the Messiah coming uh, being swa- swaddled in special clothing to indicate this is a special sheep that would be for sacrifice. And here they find baby Jesus wrapped in probably what would have been the special swaddling of the clothes, which brings on a whole new meaning of whenever you swaddle a baby. I know that when we had our first child, our son, swaddling was a terrifying thing for me. I didn't do it right, the legs always, his legs always hung out, and I was always scared that I would strangle him, like I had this fear, I don't know, I'm sure you guys are all professional parents, uh, right when you had children, but I was so scared, and, and I remember specifically, the doctor, or the nurse saw how terrified I was, and said, this is a good thing, it keeps them safe, it lets them know that you care for them, and yet, it's the same thing, Mary had swallowed baby Jesus, to let him know that he would be safe and okay. But the reality is is Jesus was there to let her, let us know that she would be safe, that we would be safe, and that we would be okay. Jesus' love for us is so great that he would give up everything in heaven for us. And he would be born a mumser, illegitimate child in a stable, rejected by family and community. And yet, we're using this word triumph, this victory lap. I don't know if I'm celebrating a great accomplishment. I'm not gonna go hang out in the cave. But yet, again, God came through his son to turn our life upside down so that way we would end up being right side up. The stresses of Christmas, I know, are great and many, especially those who of you who are the gift buyers in your home. Thankfully, that is not my job. I, I saw a meme, I am uh, I, guilty of loving memes way more than I should. But I saw the meme where it says, uh, what I buy as the wife and lists off everyone. What I buy as the husband, wife, maybe. I mean, that's me, like Amazon Prime is perfect. But the responsibility that we feel that we have during this Christmas time, do we have enough presents? If I took a survey this morning and I asked, last year at this time, did you promise yourself that Christmas 2019, you wouldn't buy as many presents? And I asked you how well you did, what kind of grade would you give? If you say, we're not gonna go all out this year, we're not gonna spoil the kids, we're only gonna buy three things, and now you're at 12. Or you sneak and hide Christmas presents in your trunk just in case you have an unexpected visitor, and you're like, yes, I got you a gift too. Maybe that's just me. But this stress of Christmas, even the stress of putting together a service that everyone would enjoy. The worship team practices and has been practicing several weeks to put on this music, which was fantastic. And and the stress of making everything look well. Uh, Phil and Natalie doing great decoration. The, the, The stress of will it look good? Will it be right? Will everyone enjoy it? Will everyone feel that when they walked away that they have celebrated the birth of Jesus? And yet, when we look at a photo, Jesus was born in a cave, I suggest that he doesn't care about that. What he cares about is your relationship with him. To, to not look at Jesus' situation coming into this world where he was completely rejected, and not look at him and say, I feel bad for Jesus, but yet look at him and be thankful for what he has done. That he would be willing to give up everything for our sake, to turn our world upside down so we would be right side up, so that way in the triumph, the victory lap, we would be part of him. So in 2 Corinthians two fourteen, I don't think I had it on the screen, but it says, but thank God he has made us his captive and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession, procession now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like sweet perfume. He made us his captives. A lot of times when we think of the word triumph, we, at least for me, I think of Easter. Starting off Passion Week, Holy Week, Jesus is riding down on this, on this donkey. Everyone's yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then yet, he dies on the cross. And yet, three days later, the ultimate victory he raises from the dead. That's triumphant. But... He wouldn't be able to do that and he wouldn't have done that if he didn't come as a baby who needed his hair combed, who needed his diaper changed, who needed to be taken care of as a baby. So what is the triumph of Christmas for you this morning? Hopefully it's the recognition of what Christ has done I'm gonna ask the worship team and the kids to start coming up and getting ready to sing our last song. And while they're doing that, I'm gonna read Philippians four, six through 11. And if you're helping kids come up, just listen. You don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen. But with that in mind, hear these words written, Philippians four, verse six and 11. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That is truly what the triumph of Christmas looks like. So it's not necessarily when your youngest child sneaks back in the middle of the night to steal the nativity scene of baby Jesus, swapping baby Jesus out for Lego Batman. And it's not when you think that you have to buy more presents or it's a competition with anybody else. Or that you promise yourself that you're going to scale back this year and focus on the reason for the season. Really what it is and what I have experienced is what I have experienced just a couple of days ago. It's in the middle of the night when you catch one of your children, your youngest, sneaking back to the manger, whispering quietly to baby Jesus, lying there saying, baby Jesus, I love you. And gives baby a kiss on the head and says, good night, Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are, Lord. Lord, forgive us when we complicate Christmas, Lord. You came into a, a complicated situation, Lord. And Lord, we, we, we don't know exactly uh, where you were at in, in Bethlehem. We know in your word that you said you were in Bethlehem. We don't know exactly if the shepherds knew already, but we know that they came there to worship you, and yet you chose to use them, the despised, Mary and Joseph, the despised, the shepherds, to spread the good news. It's nothing like what we would have done if we were in charge of the theme. Lord, if we were writing the script, we probably would have had this great, grandiose idea of your coming, but yet you came as a child to save us. Lord, you came in to turn our lives upside down so that way we would be right side up, so that way we would truly be in triumph. Lord, as we continue for the rest of the week to worship you, to recognize your birth, our Savior, Lord, we just wanna say thank you. And Lord, as we hear from the sweet voices of children, we're excited, Lord, that you've blessed us as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, and all in between with these children. Lord, help us to point them to you. Let us recognize our dependence that we need on you and help us show our children and our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, their dependence on you. And yet, while we were still sinners, you came for us and you saved us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.